Hello and welcome to the West Road and Wesley Community Church Listen Again podcast. We are delighted that you're joining us. Our prayer is that what you hear today encourages you and builds your faith. Hey guys, I'm Ian Featherstone and I'm going to be bringing you the message today. But before we do, I just want to give you guys an update on my studies. You'll, you may remember that um, back in October when I preached at Harvest, the church leadership did a funding plug for my theological studies to see if people wanted to support me so I could carry on my training with Spurgeon's College in London. So I just want to let you know that like the feedback and the, what we got back from that was just amazing. And so many people came forward and supported me um, with, with what I'm doing and, and you know, help with the funding towards my college fees. And I was absolutely blown away by that. So I just thought it's really good to keep you guys updated and give you, know, give you an update of what's been going on. So I moved up in September to level five diploma. And since then I did a study on um, the Old Testament writings, the Psalms and the Proverbs. And I got to do an essay on the book of Ecclesiastes, which was just amazing. Um, over Christmas and January, I did a, a study on John's Gospel and I got to do an essay on the I Am sayings in John's Gospel, which is just absolutely brilliant. Uh, I learned so much from that. It was, it was awesome. And right now, I'm now just stuck into a new module on apologetics and I'll be getting into an essay on like the history around the resurrection. So I've, I'm really feeling blessed by that as well. So just once again, thank you so much to all the people that have supported me and continue to support me. I am really grateful for that. So let's get into this message for today. Uh, there's a lot of fear about at the moment, isn't there? Um, we're, we're in this really difficult season of this third national lockdown from this coronavirus pandemic, and we just don't know what the future's gonna look like. After nearly a whole year of our lives being up, turned upside down, we're worried for the future. And there's all sorts of these conspiracy theories going on about coronavirus. And then there's the fear now around the, the jab vaccines. You know, are we gonna have enough? Some people are worrying about side effects because this stuff hasn't been tested. It's, it may have been rushed through. So there's all that fear there around, am I gonna get vaccinated? Am I not gonna get vaccinated? And what's the best thing to do? Also, um, we've seen in America in, in the last months, absolute chaos and fear. You know, there was the, the Capitol Hill riots and civil unrest there and all of that fear around that. And then there was a lot of fear around the, the inauguration. You know, there was National Guard soldiers in all of the states just, you know, waiting because there was all this fear that there's going to be some kind of uprising and, and trouble and civil unrest. So I've been thinking to myself recently, what would it be like if um, the farmers, big pharmaceutical companies, they came up with a new tablet that removes all fear. And when you took this tablet, there was absolutely no fear, no worry, and no anxiety. I think this tablet would create a billion dollar industry because everyone would want to take it. But the truth is, the cure for fear and anxiety and worry is already out there and it's available to everyone. We just have to realize it. And that's what we'll be looking at today. So today I'm gonna to be finishing off this series that we've been looking at over the last six weeks from Max Licardo's book, You Are Never Alone. And the title of the message today is The Power of His Presence When You Need It. And we're gonna be looking at the resurrection in John chapter 20. So just let me set the context. Obviously Jesus was crucified on the Friday and he was buried in Joseph's tomb. Then early on the Sunday morning, the third day, Mary Magdalene found the empty tomb and she ran and fetched Peter and John. They then ran to the tomb and they found the, the grave clothes lying there in a neat pile. 
and it told us that John believed, but they still didn't actually understand what was going on. After Peter and John had left the tomb, Jesus appeared to Mary Magdalene and told her to go and tell the disciples. This is where we're going to be picking up the story today, John chapter 20, and we're going to be looking at verses 19 to 22, and this is what it tells us. It says, On the evening of that first day of the week, when the disciples were together, with the doors locked through fear of the Jewish leaders, Jesus came and stood among them, and he said, Peace be with you. After this, he showed them his hands and his sides. The disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. Again, Jesus said, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And with that, he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. So from this um, short few verses today, we're going to be looking at three main points. The first one is the presence of fear. Point two is the presence of peace. And point three is the presence of the Holy Spirit. So let's get into this, the presence of peace. And this, this little verse here says, On the evening of the first day of the week, when the disciples were together with the doors locked for fear of the Jewish leaders. So let's get stuck in. It's the first day of the week, Sunday, and we know that it's Resurrection Day. But the disciples are hiding together behind locked doors in absolute fear and disarray. But what was it that they're scared of? Well, it tells us in the text that they were in fear of the Jewish leaders. We need to think back of what happened for them over the, the, the few days before this. Obviously, they'd seen Jesus arrested in the Garden of Gethsemane, and then they saw him go through this brutal Roman flogging. Then he was seen carrying his cross up to Calvary, and then they saw him dying on the cross in excruciating pain. They had seen how the Jewish leaders had treated Jesus, and they were scared that it was their turn next. But here's the crazy thing. Jesus had told them numerous times that he would be raised on the third day. And now Peter and John had seen the empty tomb. And Mary had actually seen the risen Christ. And she told the disciples that here they are on Resurrection Sunday, hiding in fear behind locked doors. They knew that Jesus was going to rise again because he had told them. But fear destroyed their faith. That's what fear does. It destroys our faith. It's interesting too that the Greek word in this passage that, that is used for locked, it actually in its original context would, would translate to locked tightly. So John is really emphasising how the fear had made the disciples lock themselves away. And this is what fear does. Fear makes us imprison ourselves. We can put up huge walls around ourselves. We lock the doors and we bolt down the windows and the hatches. And you know the saying, as your walls get taller, your world gets smaller. Another thing that fear does, it poisons our thinking and it makes us blow things out of all proportion. Little things become big things and the tiny ants can become huge elephants. Fear magnifies our problems and it paralyzes us. Now, <clears throat> they did a study on fear in America um, a few years back. And what they did, they, they got this huge open top glass container and they put it in a room and they put some big furry tarantulas inside the container. And then they got a group of people who all struggled with arachnophobia, the, the fear of um, spiders. And they brought the people into the room and showed them the spiders in the container. And you can imagine what happened next. People just went into overdrive. They were running around screaming, crying in absolute fear and disarray. And what they did after that, they got the people into another room and they said to them, how big were these spiders that you saw inside the glass container? 
And you can imagine, people were going, they were this big, they were this big, they blew it out of all proportion. But what was most interesting was the people that had, had the biggest reaction and shown the most fear, they described the spiders as being the biggest. So it, re it really just shows us how fear can um, blow things out of all proportion. I want to talk some more about fear and I want to get deeper today so that we have a real good look at our fears and the way they affect us. A lot of you know that I used to go to Alcoholics Anonymous quite a few year, for a few years before I came to Faith, and I went through their 12-step program a few times. When you get to step four, you have to do a searching and fearless moral inventory of yourself. And the things you look at is your resentments, your sex conduct, people you've harmed, and then you look at your fears. When you get to your fears, you have a worksheet and you write down all of the fears on them. And then with the help of your sponsor, you go through them and you see that how these fears have affected different areas of your life. Now, at the beginning, when you really don't know yourself that well, you put down silly fears like, I don't know, you know, fear of being eaten by, by a crocodile or fear of being mauled by a grizzly bear. The fact is, all of us are scared of these kind of things, but they're not really going to happen unless maybe you're Crocodile Dundee. But what they really want us to look at is those deep, dark internal fears that we carry around with us, the fears that are controlling our lives and the fears that are making us put up huge walls around us, the fears that are imprisoning us and holding us back. I'm going to get real with you today and I'm going to share my biggest fear and my deepest fear, the one that imprisons me and has, has held me back over the years. I'm scared of being rejected. I'm scared that people that I love and respect and care about will see my flaws and they'll not accept me, but instead they'll reject me. It's a fear that I've carried around with me for as long as I can remember. But you know where fear of rejection comes from? It comes from shame. Shame is an attachment emotion and it comes from separation. When you're a child and you do something wrong and you're separated from your parent because of what you've done wrong, it brings a feeling of shame, and if this isn't dealt with properly, this can be carried over into childhood. And when we sin, we become separated from God, and this also leaves us in shame. People who struggle with addictions carry around with themselves a deep sense of shame for the things that they've done. See, my biggest fear was always that people would see my flaws and defects and that they'd no longer accept me. So this made me build these walls around myself and keep people at a, at a distance from me. All through my addiction years, I kept people at a huge distance, no intimate relationships, no close friendships. That way, I couldn't be rejected. Just like the disciples, I built walls around myself and locked the doors tightly so nobody could get in. My fear had imprisoned me, and as my walls got taller, my world definitely got smaller. I was separated from people, and I was separated from God. Those fears are still there today, just not in the same strength and power that they used to be, because Jesus has taken away that shame and restored the connection to people and to God. I want you guys to dig deep today. I want you to really examine yourselves and look at the fears that you carry, the fears that are holding you back or imprisoning you. This is powerful stuff, so you need to be courageous and have a real good look inside. Where are your fears? Maybe you have a fear of men, because of traumatic experiences in your childhood. Maybe you are scared to give your opinion or speak up for yourself, and so you just keep quiet and feel rubbish about who you are. Maybe you're petrified of being alone, so you cling on in unhealthy and codependent relationships. 
Maybe you're afraid of not fitting in with other people, so you isolate and keep at a distance. Or maybe you're constantly trying to please other people so that they like you. What are your fears? Have a good look inside and find the truth. Because when you know the truth, the truth shall set you free. Now let's look at the antidote to the fears. We're moving on. The presence of peace. And um, the, the passage continues. Jesus came and stood among them and he said, peace be with you. After he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. The disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. So the passage says Jesus came and stood among them. But well, we need to ask, where did he come from? How did he get in? In Luke 24, 37, it tells us that the disciples were so shocked that they actually believed that Jesus was a ghost. Think about it, honestly, the doors are locked tightly. The disciples are hiding in fear in the room with the doors locked tightly. So how does Jesus get in? Well, he just came straight through the walls. This is exactly the same way that he came out of the grave clothes in the tomb. He just came right through them, and this is the glorified body of his resurrection. In the book, You Are Never Alone by Max Licardo, the one we're, we're working from, Max writes, he passed through the burial wrap as if it were a sunrise mist. I love this illustration, and it's exactly what Jesus did when he first appeared to the disciples. He didn't knock on the door or climb through the window. He just passed through the wall as if it were a sunrise mist. And you can rest assured that is what Jesus does for us too. With the fears and worries and anxieties we have, with the huge walls that we build around us because of those fears, and with the self-made prisons that we lock ourselves away in. It doesn't matter how high we build our walls or how tightly we lock the doors to our prisons, because Jesus is going to walk straight through those walls and stand in front of you. So then we need to look what happens next. Jesus says, peace be with you. And after he said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Let's look at this phrase, peace be with you. In Hebrew, the word is shalom, which is an everyday greeting in Jewish culture. But it means much more than peace be with you, especially when it comes from the mouth of the Son of God. Shalom actually means something like wholeness, oneness or well-being. And it's that wholeness, oneness and well-being that we can only receive from Jesus. We can't find it anywhere else. It's that perfect peace that we can only find in him. I love the illustration of our thoughts being like waves. Some days the water is choppy and, and so the waves are just kind of rolling in one after another. And other days it's absolute chaos in the storm. These huge storm waves come crashing in, smashing against our coastal defences. And then there's those days when we find that bliss, that complete peace in our hearts and minds. Our, our minds are like the beautiful still waters of the Caribbean. No fear, no worry, and no anxiety. Which one do you want? The huge storm waves smashing against your coastal defences, or the beautiful still blue waters of the Caribbean? So how do we find this stillness in our hearts and our minds? Well, it tells us in the Bible in Isaiah 26.3, which is actually one of my life verses. It says, you keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. We find that peace and bliss when we keep our minds on Jesus and trust in him in everything we do. Jesus also showed them the wounds in his hands and his side. This would have assured them that it was actually him. But I wonder if he also did this for a different reason. In Isaiah 53.5 it says, 
He was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought him peace was on brought us peace was on him, and by his wounds we are healed. Do you see the link? This is the verse from the Lord's suffering servant, one of the most famous prophecies we have about Jesus. Is Jesus shown that he fulfills this prophecy? He showed them his wounds from where he had been pierced in his hands and his side. Jesus is saying to them, peace be with you. Then he's showing them the wounds of the punishment that has brought them peace. By his wounds they are healed. I said a minute ago that shalom means oneness, well-being or wholeness. Well, our word wholeness that we have in our English language is actually an Anglo-Saxon word, which means healing. So it is by his wounds that we receive this healing, this wholeness, this peace, this shalom. I also love it that in Paul's letters in the New Testament, he writes, grace and peace be upon you. But Paul always writes um, grace before peace because there can be no peace without grace. We can only have peace shalom wholeness and this oneness and healing because grace came first on the cross at calvary we can see what happens to the disciples when jesus gives them um, his presence and his peace and when he shows them his wounds it tells us in the passage that the disciples were overjoyed when they saw the lord do you see what happened the presence of jesus and the presence of his peace cast out the presence of their fear his peace was way more powerful than their fear. This is the power of his presence when you need it. And on this point, I just want us to remember the three Ps. The power of his presence brings us peace. The power of his presence brings us peace. So moving on to the final point, the presence of the Holy Spirit. And the passage wraps up. Again, Jesus said, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. With that, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. So as we get into the third and final point, we get deeper into the antidote for fear. Jesus repeats his phrase of peace be with you, but then he goes on to breathe on the disciples and he says, receive the Holy Spirit. Now, first of all, dead people don't breathe. So this is another really clear sign um, to the disciples that this is the real authentic risen Christ. Something I just need to make clear here is that this isn't the disciples receiving the outpouring of the Holy Spirit that was promised. We know from scripture that that happened later and we can read about it in Acts 2. We also know that this wasn't the outpouring of the Spirit because the disciples didn't become bold at this point like they did later on at Pentecost. But most scholars agree that this was like a prelude to the real outpouring of the Holy Spirit, anticipating what would happen later at Pentecost. The Hebrew word for breath is ruach, which can either mean breath or spirit. And it's funny that the Greek word for breath is pneuma, which can also mean breath and spirit. But it means more like um, the breath of life or the life-giving breath of God. The word used in this passage for breath um, in John 20, 22, is actually the same word that is used at creation in Genesis 2, 7, where it says, the Lord God formed the man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life and the man became a living thing. It's also the same life-giving breath that the prophet Ezekiel talks about in the Valley of the Dry Bones in Ezekiel 37.9. It says, come forth, um, winds, O breath, and breathe into these slain so that they may live. 
And it's also the same life-giving breath that God breathed into Jesus in the tomb on that very Sunday morning. Paul tells us this in Romans 8:11, where he says, And if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies because of his spirit who lives in you. And you know what? This is the same life-giving breath that we receive as believers of the risen Christ. We receive the life-giving breath of the Holy Spirit and we are raised into new life. The breath of God gives physical life and the breath of God also gives spiritual life. This is our antidote to fear, the life-giving breath of the Holy Spirit. So we know from scripture the Holy Spirit brings us peace. So we come back to this word shalom or peace be with you. Remember this word means something like wholeness or well-being or healing. Well, it tells us in the Bible that the Holy Spirit brings us this peace. In John 14, 25 to 27, it says, All this I have spoken while still with you. But the Advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and remind you of everything I have said to you. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give you. Also in Romans 15, 13, it says, May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him, so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. And we know from Galatians that the fruit of the Spirit is peace. Has anyone ever seen like footage or pictures of one of those huge storms in the middle of the ocean where you can get these huge 50-foot waves and, and if you saw like a huge ship amongst those waves, it would just look like a toy boat being tossed around. These storms in the, in the ocean are absolutely phenomenal. But did you know, if you actually go about 100 foot under the water in one of those storms, there's no storm waves, there's no ripples, there's just peace and stillness in the water. And this is what the Holy Spirit does for us. No matter what storms are going on on the outside, when we go deep inside, we can still have that peace and stillness. So the peace of the Holy Spirit brings well-being, contentment, wholeness and shalom, whatever the circumstances. And finally, in 1 Corinthians 3.16, it says that don't you know that you yourselves are God's temple and that God's spirit dwells in your midst? So we are carrying inside of us the Holy Spirit of God. Our bodies are living temples of the Holy Spirit that can bring us this perfect peace, this wholeness, this healing and this shalom. I lead a Bible story group on a Wednesday morning and we're currently looking at the book of Acts. And a few weeks ago we looked at Acts chapter 2 when the Holy Spirit was poured out at Pentecost and we discussed how it changed the disciples and they became bold and joyful. This is the same spirit that's available to us. But if we want to remain bold and joyful and in that state of shalom, then we need to be asking God each day to be giving us a refilling of the Spirit so we're constantly topped up. So please get in the habit of praying to God each day and asking for a renewing of the Spirit. It was Charles Spurgeon who said, Without the Spirit of God, we can do nothing. We are ships without the wind, branches without sap, and like coals without a fire. We are useless. So let's be praying for a refilling of the Spirit on a daily basis so we get that power and that peace. And the beautiful thing is, we carry the Holy Spirit around with us wherever we go, so we really truly are never alone, and we can call on the power of his presence whenever we need it. 
So just before we close this series today, I want to leave you with one last thought. There are some Christian thinkers and scholars that point out another reason why the disciples may have been hiding away in fear with the doors locked. They had been told by Mary that Jesus was alive, but they had just abandoned him and turned away from him and denied him. Maybe the disciples were scared of what his reaction would be. Their beloved teacher who had loved them and been there for them, and they'd repaid him by abandoning him to his terrible fate. I mentioned earlier about the pain of rejection and the shame and the separation from people and from God. Well, Jesus is the ultimate example um, of rejection. He was rejected by the people and abandoned by his disciples. And finally, he was forsaken by his father, who turned his face away as Jesus hung dying on the cross, bearing upon himself the weight of the shame of the entire human race. Imagine that kind of rejection. But how did Jesus treat the disciples after all of that? He had good reason to rebuke them and pile on the shame and the guilt, but he didn't. Instead, he offered them peace and breathed the life-giving breath of God onto them. Maybe you've turned from Jesus lately and you have rejected him and denied him. Maybe it's some hidden sin in your life that has made you turn from him and you're too scared to face him, so you're hiding with your doors locked. Maybe you've done something terrible and you just can't forgive yourself and you think that if you turn back to Jesus, you're going to be rebuked. Or maybe you're just overcome with fear, worry or anxiety right now and this has destroyed your faith, so you've built these walls around you where no one can get in. Well, I've got news for you. You cannot hide from Jesus. Whatever is going on for you, Jesus is standing in front of you. He's walked straight through the walls that you've put up and the doors that you've locked tightly. And he's standing in front of you, but there's no rebuke. Instead, he's showing you his nail-pierced hands and his spear-pierced side. Jesus is standing in front of you and he's saying, Shalom, peace be with you. And he's breathing that life-giving breath of God onto you. All you have to do is receive him, feel the power of his presence when you need it, and realise that you are never alone. I just want to close this series by covering the whole thing in prayer. Father God, I thank you um, for your word. I thank you for this series that we've been through for the last six weeks, and how we've been exploring your presence, Lord, and how we are never alone when we're in your presence, Lord. We thank you that um, you give us your life-giving breath and you fill us with that life-giving spirit um, that we can just use to overcome, Lord, um, to overcome our fears, to overcome our worries, to overcome our struggles and to overcome the storms of life. So, Lord, I just um, ask now as we go into this new week just to fill each one of us with your Holy Spirit so that we can feel your power and we can feel your peace and we can feel your presence and we can just have that wholeness and that wellness and that shalom that you offer, Lord. And we just pray all of this in Jesus' precious name. Amen. If you enjoyed today's podcast, we'd love to hear from you. So check us out on social media at West Road Church BSE or go to our website, www.westroadchurch.org.uk. Thanks for listening and have a great day.